Hi, I'm Andy Spain, and this is my podcast, Conversations with New Zealand Photographers. Today I'm interviewing Mary McPherson, art photographer and poet based in Wellington. Mary's work is collected in many of New Zealand's art institutions and has been published and exhibited widely. Work from her most recent book, The Long View, was shown a few months ago at the Parr Homestead, where it was warmly received. So I, I suppose I first got seriously into photography when I came to Wellington. Um, I grew up in Dunedin and lived there till I was maybe about 25. And I think just before I left Dunedin, I had a, access to a camera and I was just taking photos with it and I think processing them in a dark room. Um, but when I came to Wellington, I really wanted to get into the art, so I rushed around doing heaps of different workshops, you know, like theatre and mask making and filmmaking and writing and photography and photography workshop happened to be a photo forum um, and so I yeah that was one thing the photography one was one that kind of continued for me. Where did that initial kind of interest in all those creative things come from was it a creative family or? Not especially yeah I just really wanted to be involved in the arts and to try things out and I think probably I was quite hungry for it really so I was into everything yeah <laughs> and at, at that time in photography it was very much dominated by street photography black and white which I think valiantly for a little while I tried to do not very successfully because it's not really me but then about that time also like a series of American books about the new colour work started appearing so like there was William Eggleston, Stephen Shaw, Joel Sternfield, William Christian Bree and many others and I think actually that sort of turned a switch on for me that I wanted to work in colour and also I became just really interested in photographing the idea that you could photograph the everyday surroundings where you live, where people go for holidays, you know, the cities we live in, and I was just, like, really excited about doing that, and that, and I think the books I'd mentioned sort of offered a, a sort of an array of ways of thinking about that, like, whether it was, like, photographing it with tremendous formal sophistication, or making socially charged work, or, or work that had a psychological or emotional undertow to it, and so it's a big range of possibilities there and a lot of challenges so I became very excited about the fact that I could do that in my own country and you know the places that I lived you know like um, maybe lift them up and make it possible to look at them yeah yeah no, that's great. Yeah. So, that, so what we're talking, we're talking 70s. Yeah, sort of, sort of. Um, new colour photography. And yeah, stuff. it sort of went in a little run, I, I think, from the 70s through to the early 90s or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, you know, not being very precise here. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It must have been a really exciting time because even I went to university doing photography in the early 90s and that sort of photography still felt... I suppose for me, discovering photography for the first yes. time, it still felt very exciting and fresh and modern, yes. even at the end of that process, I guess. Yeah, and I, I'm fascinated today, like how many of those books are being reissued yeah. 
and how many young photographers who are into straight photography, you know, are still revering those books yeah. um, and that work. You know, I mean, that it was um, sort of benchmark work, yeah. really, and how lucky to be around at the time mm. when it came along, really. And I always, always felt like the kind of black and white photojournalism and documentary was almost the the gateway drug because that's what kind of got me <laughs> yes. into photography oh, right. as well okay. yeah. and then and then it kind of enabled you to see other things and I thought okay maybe yes. this maybe this is one way of telling yes. a story but there are a lot more going on out there yes I, th- I think I was quite relieved to discover an alternative to that black and white yeah photography gateway photography and <laughs> spent quite a long time not liking it very much and not wanting to look at it yeah and to explore the world that I was in I think I'm a bit more moderate these days <laughs> <laughs> no I agree I think yeah. you, go, you, you go one way and then yes. sort of open yeah. up again to everything yes. don't you yeah yeah I, I remember being you know in that doing the degree that was quite theoretical yeah. and it was saying, you know, this black and white photography is all far too masculine, all far too, you know, yeah. not telling the whole story, it's projecting a very certain point of view, mm. even by this use of black and white and grainy yes. imagery or anything. Oh, okay, so it's all a lie. Maybe mm. we should do something that yeah. is a bit more oblique. I don't know. So I wanted to talk mainly about Old New World and about the long view, um, just because I've had a better chance at looking more carefully through them. And I suppose it's relates very much to my kind of photography yes, as well. Yes, of course. <laughs> so it does so it, you know, it became uh, became obvious choices. How did how did Old New World come about? What was your what was your process of uh, coming up with that those ideas and also, you know, in a conceptual sense, do you come up with the ideas and then go out to execute them or do you does it come more from you're seeing stuff in the you know, ideas in the images you're photographing day to day that suddenly form the beginnings of a book or beginnings of a series? Well, I'm a fairly intuitive sort of worker. I mean, something usually happens for me that creates a a feeling that I'm really interested in the subject and I use photography as a process of thinking about that subject and finding out about it and refining what it is I'm interested in. It's probably quite similar to the process I use in writing. In the case of Old New World, I'd grown up and my family had owned a little crib in um, small south uh, central Otago town where I'd gone for holidays sort of all my life and so, and it was a very, very much, you know, like a classical small town with the domain and the church and the the trees and the general store and the World War monument and things like that. So, and it it was like, had a very intimate and human scale to it. And of course it's embedded in my childhood. And so I always like traveling through small towns has always been very important to me. So when I lived in Wellington, you know, the wire wrapper had a similar sort of feel to Central Otago. But then I started noticing that all the small towns were changing, particularly the main streets, and some of them, like, starting to look like many suburbs of Wellington. So I thought that was really interesting. And so I picked up my camera and started walking around the streets, the main streets, the back streets, and having done that, I thought, oh, maybe I should go to the next town up the line to see what that's like, and the next one, and... And then I became really interested and came up, sort of grew into the idea that I wanted to see 
what was changing in small towns and it took, I mean it always takes me quite a while of photographing initially till I find the images that are sort of clues to what I'm really interested in that, you know, are kind of going deeply enough to be in touch with something. And so I started thinking as I was photographing and, and travelling to the regions that I'd selected, you know, like how to represent small towns because there has been a lot of work in New Zealand done about small towns and I think quite often people have presented like one view of the place, you know, like it's a, a warm heartland or a, it's very idiosyncratic and there's a lot of freedom there or they're quite gothic, dark places. And I thought, well, actually what I'm seeing is like there's a whole range of stories here. There is no one quintessential place, you know, like there are places that are like service towns and are still resolutely themselves. There are um, places that are in economic decline and you fervently hope they find a solution to that. And then there are places that have exploded out of recognition through tourism and, you know, people finding them highly desirable places to live. And so I sort of wanted to reflect all of that in the work and to say that there wasn't one view. Also just I didn't want to like pretend to be more than I was, you know, like somebody visiting the place just walking down the main street or the back street and seeing things. So I didn't want to claim a sort of familiarity that I didn't have. Um, and then the other thing I was really became really interested in was all the sort of instant symbols of what New Zealand was, you know, like that seemed to pop up in advertising and statues and that sort of thing, so that became quite an important thing to record as well. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it was maybe quite an ambitious <laughs> sort of yes, work. Yes, now you say, put it like <laughs> that. <laughs> you should still be going. Yeah, it took uh, me seven years <laughs> to, to do that. That is a long time. Yeah, it reminds me of um, looking at this, this sort of work of, um, is it Thomas Ruff or Thomas Struth? I was getting yeah. them muddled up. Yeah. But, but I always remember the kind of um, black and white images. I think it was Thomas Struth, wasn't it? When it, you kind of forensically look at a road mm. that looks very bland at first mm. viewing. Yeah. But then when you start reading through it, and you, it might be some bomb damage, and might, there's all these layers yes. of history that you can pee, pee out of it. And yours feels very very similar. There's layers of history. Oh, throughout. well, I'm, I'm very flattered to be compared to Thomas's. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'd, I do like making images that are quite slow. You images. need to work at them yeah, when you read yeah. them. Yeah, and so they're not, like, you know, immediately obvious and the viewer can find things in them. And I've, yeah, kind of kept with that approach and I think it's particularly in the long view as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, that's, tr that's, that's very, very true and it kind of ties in with the question I was, I was going to put yeah. about the idea of the flaneur and street yes. photography that yeah. you know you are walking around with your camera but you're not in that traditional street photography sense and you said at the beginning that yeah. you weren't street photography no, no. and yet you're on the street yeah. taking photographs which is which is which is really interesting but it's a very slow meandering uh, way of coming up with the images and and developing that 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 series i mean do you do you go with a tripod are you have you got i mean is it, is no, it what's I, the actual physical process uh, it doesn't feel like a snap no, you know, um, there's there's yeah. no decisive moment going yeah. on. Yeah, no. Um, so walking around is very important to my practice. I, I, 
I can't think of myself as meandering um, because I, um, <laughs> it's with um, purpose. It's with purpose, um, and I am actually concentrating incredibly hard and working really hard, looking for things that are kind of calling to yeah. me. Um, yeah. And it's a very mental process, I think. You know, like you're looking for things that are inside your head, yeah. um, really. But and I mean, sometimes people tell me about things, and I'll go there deliberately but quite a lot of it is walking around and exploring things and your feelings about them quite often if I'm interested in an image and I haven't got it right the first time I'll go back and back and back to it till you know if it's an imp- something that's important um, till I do make a photograph that reflects what I feel yeah. about it and I am a yeah I mean I'm, I sort of tend to think of myself as a hybrid I mean people with um Film cameras often talk, you know, about how it slows the process yeah, down, yeah. etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I feel you can do that with digital as yeah, well. Yeah. I mean, I'm certainly very slow and considered in the way I make my images. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of feeling my way into them, and you know, hopefully they are that kind of image. You know, when they appear. But I do um, probably from time to time borrow a dash from street photography in yeah. that. If there are people walking through my pictures, which happened a lot in the long years, yes. then yeah. Yeah. I, you know, at a certain point, I think, oh, I will just use this. This will just be part of the picture. So that's borrowing a little bit of that street energy yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. It's a nice, it's a nice balance. Isn't yes. It? Again, the idea of the flaneur and street photography has traditionally been a very gendered pursuit. Yes, I know. I, 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 <laughs> I kind of, I must confess, I winced slightly when I saw you describing me as a flaneur. No, not a man. Yes. I mean, do you think, how does that feed into your work? You know, or does it? Or are you aware of it? Or, I mean, it's, it's just quite amazing sometimes when you think about that particular style of photography, how it all seems to be a male-dominated, you know. Yeah, At least it's the male names that bubble up yes. to the top and get known yes. anyway. Yeah, I th- well, I think there's quite a lot of that, and I think, you know, like all the names I mentioned were men, but, yeah. but maybe that's the times, you know, like hopefully there's room for um, women and women to become known as well uh, in the field, because, yeah, it has been a very male But you don't feel there's anything overt that you see in your images that you think, hmm, that's something to do with me taking it and not... Just another man taking it. I don't think so. I don't. I don't. In other work that I've made, you know, like um, sort of series of set-up photos using fabric to comment on ideas and emotions. You know, I think you would look at that and say that's yeah, yeah, a work made from a woman's perspective. But this work, I think, is more just me walking around and claiming my space. Yeah. And yeah. So. I don't know, I leave it up to someone else to decide whether it's um, work with that gender place yeah, or Yeah, yeah. I remember being on my, um, doing my Masters years ago, yeah. and I think it was about 50-50 yeah. men and women. Yes. And there was a point when, we, it was two years working on a, on a project, basically, and there was a point when we kind of thought, what are the, what are the men generally shooting, what are yes. the women generally shooting? Oh my God, it's so ridiculous, we're all doing outside the men were all doing outside architectural or landscapey type yeah. things where uh, women were doing much more portrait based 
family based, issue based, and it just it's like without any conscious bias. It's just, but when you actually it, thought about it, oh wow, that's really quite surprising. Yeah, so it seems I've strolled onto the men's good. Yeah. construction site, <laughs> here I am just doing it. Yeah, and actually, I mean that. Only time I've ever received any discouragement for it was a very famous American photographer who was out here who came round and was looking at some of our work and I was showing him my very first um, series that I did like this called Urban Landscapes and also another one of the fabric work and he was like on the Urban Landscapes, oh that's you know white man's work. And you know he liked the. He thought you know the other work with fabric was what I should be doing, and it's always irritated the hell out of me that comment. <laughs> How dare you yeah. say that men have piddled all over the space, <laughs> and you know I can't be there. Yeah, but that's yeah. the only time anybody's been discouraging about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. And in the in the old new world, I was I was saying how like that that incredibly fine line between the overt imagery where I'm looking now at the McDonald sign with the shepherd and dog and on their grassy tussock in the foreground and how it feels okay I can, I can see maybe what you're getting at here whereas other images are, are more subtle um, and I was running like like the one um, in the basketball court um, at the back of that how do you I mean do you is it in the editing process is it in the photography process itself I mean, do you just shoot lots and then think I'll I'll pick out and try and get that edit and line of um, of meaning and and subtlety and you know it's 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 a, it's a really lovely hard line to walk, isn't it? Interesting. You you should mention the um, image of the fielding one because that to me is like almost too obvious. And I'd, interesting. I'd, well, I pulled it out then. Yeah, maybe. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it. It kind of made it in there because I was quite interested in the imagery of the rugged musterer and, you know, another way that New Zealand's sort of portraying yeah. itself and that's probably why it made it into the book. And, yeah, I, I don't think of the image of the basketball court in Takaha as being a difficult one to read. Um, <laughs> it's it's like, um, you know, here's this basketball court in the middle, you know, of a... A kind of paddock by the ocean, you know. There's the um, the wildness of the ocean and the human structures of the basketball court, the tire track in the middle. I mean, it's kind of lovely and quite poignant to me. And also, you know, says something about small places. So I don't see it as being a particularly difficult image yeah. to, to read. Just again, this comes down to the reader. Yes, yes, <laughs> as, as so many yeah. do. And I mean, my, my process of preparing to speak to you was looking through Old New World carefully and then going on to the long view. Yes. And it just, when, when you're just staring, you know, yes. intently, yes. it was so funny to see this idea of Old Town New Zealand yes. and suddenly be hit by, in the face, and by, by contemporary Auckland and the city life. Yeah. It just, it was a, you know, it was a really interesting feeling. Um, so, what were your what were your motivations coming to the Longview? Was it partly as a response to having done Old Town New Zealand, or um, no? I mean, well, I suppose there, there is a connection there. I mean, I should say I'd done other work in between the two things, like I'd done Bent, which is a series 
about trees and the way they've been used by people in New Zealand. Um, and I'd done Medical Daydreams, which is kind of quite a, an ideas-based, um, small project about um, interior narratives. So, But with the, um, the Auckland work, um, I think it arose like we were staying in a, an apartment at the end of Queen Street one time and I was just looking out into the evening sky and seeing all the um, advertising signs in the sky and but also the head office signs and I was thinking, oh, that's the place that sends us the insurance pills and <laughs> oh, that one sets the interest rates and I thought, oh yes, New Zealand, you know, Auckland is... New Zealand's source of wealth and power, you know, in terms of a city. It's, you know, our kind of claim to a global city. So that's sort of quite interesting. And also walking around in the street, the city seemed to be, like, furiously reinventing itself, you know, like whether it was making sort of pleasant places for people to be on the waterfront or building, like, everything being done on a really big scale. So I just thought... It would be so interesting to make a very urban series. I've never done it. It would be so interesting to photograph the centre of the city and I don't see anybody else doing it. I have reflected on why I had such a um, strong reaction to it and I I think it's because Auckland occupies such a big place in New Zealand's national dialogue. Like it's always in the media, you know, like whether it's problems or opportunities or what's going on in politics or like you you know it's a very it's New Zealand's big place so the idea of photographing that became just really compelling to me yeah no it's it's amazing and I love the way the images just they just all that you saying about it being so intense and full and the images the frame of the image is just crowd so crowded it is. isn't it it feels so crowded whereas before the images were given space to breathe, suddenly you're in this, you know, you can't see yeah. the horizon very often or can't often see a perspective of where you are. Yeah, was that the nature of shooting it or were you shooting on a longer lens to try and push everything together? It was just how it was. No, I used a 50mm and a 28mm lens for, for that. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I think I'm photographing the, di- the dynamism of the buildings and the built world there and I, I mean I also wanted to make pictures with a very big plane in them and I was using a very high resolution camera so there'll be a lot of detail recorded so I wanted to make images that the view- viewer can come to and look around and find all the little relationships and the things that are going on in the pictures because I, I don't like pictures that give themselves to you too easily. Yeah, and they, they almost become, many of them almost become abstract or graphic in their nature because they are, I suppose it is so full, isn't it, that you can't yes. always get that relationship. Um, and, and you go in, you do the wider, slightly wider shot of a city space and then something sometimes more intimate like the, uh, you know, this little doll or shelf or something mm-hmm. down here, you know, against against the big city yes. space or yeah, the, I mean, and that, the that's, shoes and other things like that, yes. where it's almost glimpses of walking through yes. the city versus uh, stand back and look at the whole space view, it's those little glimpses yes. of something more intimate. Yeah, I, w- I wanted to have some close-in images, I didn't want it to be all big views, otherwise it would be quite chilly, and yeah. 
I, th- I also think that little details can symbolise quite a lot. So, yeah, I w- and in the sequencing of the work, I wanted to make sure there was enough um, contrast in the um, two different types of images. After doing the Urban Landscapes project, I then kind of went into a period where I did a lot of constructed series to end sort of things particularly to deal quite deliberately with ideas. So I did a series called Fabrication, which at the time um, I was very interested in advertising and how like people, you know, the insides of people's minds and their perceptions could be reflected in imagery. And I kind of, uh, yeah, I was interested in our perceptions of the natural world I think I was working in tourism at the time, so I was quite interested in that. And um, then I did a series called Safe, where I combined kind of words that came from advertisements about tourism, just abstracted them beside sort of imagery that I made of, you know, using natural things against man-made things. Um, So that was another little series that I did. And then I did white thread, which was like using white clothes and words again with that were pinned to the clothes. And that was about all the things that people could fear or desire. So it was quite a passionate series. And then I did At Sea, which um, I based around a, a painting I found in a junk shop of ships and... I used kind of blue lace and little figures to try and photograph ideas about the ocean and the sea. Um, And then I think I was kind of tired of doing that sort of work, so... (laughs) Needed to get out. I needed to get outside, (laughs) and so I started doing Old New World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And as, as your role in Photo Forum, you must have a very good overview of work that's going... photography work that's going on in... New Zealand at the moment in general. Well, I, I don't I don't know that I'm an, an expert or you know <laughs> see into every corner, but um, since about um, April this year when we've had the new website, I've been reviews editor for the Photo Forum site, and um, yeah, that's been a real treat. To you know, I've been frantically trying to keep up with everything yeah. around the country, and it's been really that's been really really interesting and. It's, made me think actually New Zealand photography is very vibrant and there's a big range of work there really sort of all the way from like conceptual work or cameraless work or out in the stratosphere artists who work with photography um, through to people who are still using straight photography to deal with ideas and yeah a lot of young people doing really good work and as well as you know the people who've been around for decades who are still producing strong work and photographing and which is kind of exciting because you know that's sort of like oh New Zealand actually has a photo history with people whose work is markers in it so yeah I think it's a pretty interesting scene actually and I mean I suppose on on from that photography in general I mean you say it's very healthy in New Zealand People worry. I suppose people worry commercially about where photography is going in terms of um, new technologies and yeah. new ways of creating imagery that might be 
better ways of marketing and therefore make it's, photography redundant. Um, but it's interesting to hear you say, you know, that vibrancy is still there and cameraless photography and all that kind of thing is yeah. and that, still I, I mean, there's still, I mean, there are... Film uh, photography. Yeah, probably, like, new technologies coming in and film and um, that's on the border of photography. Um, but some of that works really good, like... Um, Luke Willis Thompson's work, which was shown at the Adam, is, yeah. was I thought was really marvellous and yeah. That to and me, so, so it seemed so under. I don't know. I just I, I hardly heard about it, and then I saw it was on. Wow, God, to see that, and then he goes and wins the Deutsche Post Photography yeah, Award a few months yeah. later. Yes. God, there wasn't enough publicity about that exhibition. Yeah, I mean it was big stuff. It was really important New yes. Zealand artwork. Really. Yes, sir, I, I think that Adam has some quite marvellous yeah. um, photography shows. It's just a pity they're a little bit hard to get to. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about That's saying that. <laughs> yes. Those damn hills of Wellington. Yes. Um, yeah, um, and and that to me was work that you know hovered on the borderline yeah. of film yeah. and photography yeah. in a really interesting way, as well as the really strong social content that it had. Yeah, it was really good. It was fantastic, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, and, and the other thing I obviously need to mention is your poetry and how, you know, what's the relationship? Do you split your time creatively equally between poetry and photography? How does it work? Do you think now it's time for poetry? Or? I, I try to give, you know, like poetry, it's periods of time. Um, photography is quite greedy because <laughs> quite a big part of my practice is reviewing work and editing work and that's a very slow, reflective Time that you can't hurry that takes a lot of time yeah. and is an important part of shaping work so sometimes for to- uh, poetry does get a bit squeezed but I've worked steadily at that and uh, yeah I, st- I really love poetry um, How do you think, I mean uh, the ob- it's an obvious question but in yeah. terms of informing your photography you know your, your work feels poetic is the, is the obvious comment to make and there's imagery within your poetry, but I just wondered how you feel, you know, how they do inform each other or whether you see it as a separate practice. Or... Um, I, I do practice them separately, but I can see sort of leakages in, them, in, <laughs> in that quite a lot of my photos are inspired by words. You know, like I really love photographing words. Um, <laughs> like in your questions, you mentioned the looking from Nelson Street image. And that was actually <clears throat> um, sparked by seeing the word clear point out there. And I was like really excited <laughs> by that because I thought, oh, that's such a photographic word, you know, <laughs> the points of focus, you know, something being a clear point of a photograph. And so I really wanted to make an image with that word in it, um, which I put at the side, um, and also include the swimming pool. And then as so many Auckland images happened, a man just walked into the picture and started lifting weights. So oh, it was it's unbelievably perfect, isn't yes, it? It really and, is. And he became the clear point of the picture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. It made me think of um, like Brett Easton Ellis. The one who was just a crazy psycho guy mm. in America and it was just this perfect body, perfect mm. everything. And just seeing this guy yes. doing his weights by his swimming pool on an apartment, you know, rooftop yeah. was just just incredible shot absolutely incredible yeah but it you know it just came together 
fortuitous street photography. Yeah, yeah, I know. Decisive moment. I know where you you can't ignore that that (laughs) little bit that you can borrow from street photography even while you're making a a big considered (laughs) view. Um, Yeah, and I, I, I like in my photographs to be surprised by them. Like, I don't want to make images that I know about. I want to be quite startled by what I've done and... um, yeah, to make work that's a bit beyond me. Um, it's the same process from writing, really, which is probably something I got from doing the MA at Creative Writing, it, but like not making work that you know about, but trying to work beyond yourself. Yeah. And so, I, I, yeah, I think that's quite important to me in photography as well. And what are you working on a project at the moment, or is there one in development? I'm sort of. Too early? <laughs> too, too early, really, to talk in any way about it. Um, I do have another project sitting there about Wellington, about Wellington Hills, which I haven't quite decided whether I've finished or not. It's called Of the Hill, which is comes from a quote from Frank Lloyd Wright. Okay. Um, yeah, but I haven't I haven't quite decided whether that works ready for the world or, or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was also wondering about, um, if you could say something quickly about the actual publishing process because you're creating a lovely series of books um, and there was the photo book fair recently in, in Wellington and everything that went alongside that yeah. do you normally do you self-publish do you get someone to publish with you how do you get your designer on board what's yeah. the whole what's the whole process is it printed you know in China cheaply is it planted <laughs> <laughs> how does it work Oh, That's a big question, I guess. It is a big question. And it must um, vary, I guess, from yeah, book to book. It, yeah, each one is different. Like, Old New World was the first book I'd had the opportunity to do, and I did that in collaboration with the then Bopdal House Gallery, where the work started its tour. And the woman, who Leslie Smith, um, who was the director of the gallery, also happened to be a very talented designer, so she did the design for the book, and it was, yeah, it was printed in China, which is a process I ended up managing. But then other, yeah, and I've done, um, like, print-on-demand books through Blurb. That yeah. event was done that way, um, and so I did the design for that myself. Um, and But I've also been fortunate with other books to work with really good designers, like um, Spencer Levine of Wellington did medical daydreams and I worked with Katrina Duncan on the long view who was lovely to work with and um, she did a great job on that um, and, and that was a co-publication with Photo Forum so um, yeah I've only just got a very small yeah. cell myself. I, I love the I don't know there's something about the long view with its yes. its size yeah even the fact it hasn't got a hardback and you can hold it in your hands so well it just very tactile book isn't it yeah, it seems yeah. to fit right fit the images right yeah I, I, I saw a sort of size I mean I wanted to make a book that was quite affordable um, yeah and I saw a book that was about that size and then Katrina um, introduced some improvements to the format yeah. Um, but yeah I like books that you can hold in your hand and um, I, I think also being printed on an uncoated recycled stock also helps to make it feel quite tactile as well you know I, I kind of nice paper is something I really love in books too 
it's something about the the photo book as object, isn't it? Really, it's, yeah, it's a lovely yeah. object. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's interesting how far you take that making the book into the object because, I mean, if you went to Photo Book New Zealand, you would would have seen like Yumagoto and yeah. their kind of amazing yeah. creations. <laughs> There, where I think the whole medium of the book is used to tell a story, and it's maybe to me not so much about telling through images. And I think I probably dwell more on the side still of um, telling the story with images, but I like the design to be really appropriate to the book. You know, I mean, obviously, MacBooks are, are maybe the, the epitome of. Of that, um, yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I totally agree. Actually, after seeing that photo forum, where the process of them are making Yumigoto making the books was was fascinating to yes. watch, and they are beautiful objects. Yes. But um, picking them up fresh and just having a flick through, it's quite it's quite indecipherable because it is so full, rich with content in every yes. sense, from the image to the choice of material yes. to whatever other thing they put yes. in there. That um, I, I agree. For me, the the image was lost. But I, I understand that you know it's almost um, it's almost performance or something. It's something. Yeah, book is performance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and you know that's, that's which a, is totally valid. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it depends what you like, yeah, really. Yeah. Uh, but I I think you know I'm still interested in telling stories through images, um, and yeah, I, I I mean I like words and things if they're really well done, you know. Um, you know, like there are a few exceptional photo books out there um, where, you know, words can be a good part of the project as well, but I think it's quite hard to get right. It is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I remember going on that the photo book masterclass and it was yes. that was the main takeaway, I think, was, yes. you know, whether you need words and how, yes. how much you put yes. in and how much you want to give away and how much yeah. you want to kind of leave it. Yeah, and I, I mean, floating. Um, photo books can be quite wonderful when words are like completely dispensed with. You know, yeah. um, like um, Brian Skutmart who was teaching at yeah. the masterclass, or you know, in any number of books that you know, like you can barely find the photographer's name on the spine, <laughs> and, but and you just plunge into the images, and I, you know, I kind of love that as well. Yeah. Um, but if someone gets the balance of words and photos right, then that's pretty exciting too. As you have in your books, Mary. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I was going to say thank you very much. Right. That's just yeah. fantastic. Yeah, really enjoyed chatting with you. Yeah, likewise. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> really good. Yeah.